if you could keep Biden off of TV, he would win the nomination. But the problem with Biden is he's his own worst enemy because he says stupid things all the time. And that is endearing. Really? on audio here, so we can see Jennifer. That. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. The mayoral matchup now official here in Indianapolis. As expected, Mayor Joe Hogsett will take on State Senator Jim Merritt in November. But there's already new controversy this week involving the 10-point coalition, a controversy that quickly turned political. Our Jessica Hayes has more. After those comments were public, Greg Merriweather, who's a liaison with IMPD, was suspended for three days without pay. Shauna Majors, with the city's community violence reduction, got a formal warning and is no longer part of this cycle's grant process. So let's get to what started this. Thursday, Reverend Harrison posted the exchange. Greg Merriweather comments, 10 Point is out walking the track, seeming to compare the group to prostitutes. Shauna Majors responds with three dollar signs. Harrison called the post especially concerning as Majors heads up handing out grant money for crime-fighting groups like his. He says he won't tolerate the comments when his volunteers risk their lives for a safer community. The city cannot take sides. It has to be supportive of all of these groups that are out here trying to do something about the violence. After these awful and mean-spirited comments were made about people who try to protect our city, the mayor's reaction was to allow them to keep their jobs with a slap on the wrist. I'm disappointed profoundly by uh, some of the comments that were made on personal social media. Um, I've asked the people, the city employees involved, they, they've both been admonished and disciplined. Mayor Hogsett spoke with Shauna Majors, IMPD Chief Brian Roach spoke with Greg Merriweather. Both were told to reach out to Reverend Harrison. Chief Roach also says he will reach out to Reverend Harrison, working to build a better relationship between IMPD and the Indy 10-Point Coalition. In the newsroom, I'm Jessica Hayes. We'll send it back to you. Jessica, thanks. Turning to this week's primaries, Mayor Hogsett was a big winner Tuesday night in the Democratic primary over Denise Hatch. Senator Merritt won by a similar margin in the GOP primary, beating two other other Republican candidates. We heard from both Senator Merritt and Mayor Hogsett on Tuesday night about the tough campaign ahead. Tonight I stand before you humbled by today's election results and energized by the potential we have to build upon our work and take Indianapolis, the city we call home, to even greater heights. But I cannot do it alone. Our campaign will energize uh, the citizens of Indianapolis to come out and vote in an off-election year. And it's, it's my goal, it's my effort to, uh, to really set a vision for the future of Indianapolis and, and, uh, and, and lead uh, to a, a better day for Indianapolis. And right now, we can't cower in the corner uh, in throwing in the towel of leadership. That is what is happening right now. Leadership in the city demands action. I think it demands strength. I think it demands certainty. And you gotta show up. The mayor of Indianapolis has to be there. The mayor of Indianapolis has to travel the world. And it's very important that the first two items we have to focus in on are crime and infrastructure. Those two issues are, the, are going to decide who is going to be the mayor in 2020. And um, I will continue to pound away on those issues 
and how I can bring leadership to the, to the city of Indianapolis. For nearly four years, I've been blessed to work with the people of our city to confront challenges that have endured under the surface of our day-to-day -day lives for decades. A scourge of gun violence, the cycle of multi-generational poverty, a city infrastructure strained by years of underinvestment, and nearly 200,000 commuters who drive into Indianapolis each and every day. These issues present questions that don't carry simple solutions. And we should be wary of anyone who suggests otherwise. What have you heard from voters talking to them today? I hear all about uh, bent rims. I hear all about uh, people wondering where the mayor's been for the last three years. I, I, I hear about um, not being, people not being inspired right now. The, the spirit of Indianapolis, the pride of Indianapolis, and, and we have it there. It's something that Indianapolis has, and, and we've seen it in so many different ways. Uh, but but it, there's, a, uh, there's a cry for uh, someone to step forward to help us solve the crime issue, to help us solve the infrastructure issue. There's so many people that have been damaged by the potholes in the last four months. And, and it, it, that is a secret tax on people. There are people who have told me that they have busted a tire, busted a rim, and then all of a sudden they can't get to their job because they can't afford to replace it. And so my goal, my challenge, is to put my vision to, in front of the voter, the voter of Indianapolis, as to where I see Indianapolis moving in the future. And I, move, I see a very bright future, but an energetic uh, future, a future that has juice. And uh, that's what I will be providing. I'll be working hard every day uh, till November. And um, I'll do it with a joy in my heart because I love Indianapolis. Okay, much more to come with both candidates this election year. We're also hearing from the winner of the Republican primary in Carmel, Mayor Jim Brainerd, who fought off a contentious primary challenge from County Councilman Fred Glenn. We're going to continue to, to redevelop our downtown. We're going to continue to focus on neighborhoods. We're going to continue to listen very carefully to what people want, continue to focus on green space and trails, get the city connected, continue to work on our tax base and keep our taxes low. I also you know, recognize a lot of people didn't vote for us. We're going to try to listen very hard to what their concerns and fears may be and, and try to provide better answers and, and a better dialogue as we go forward. It was a campaign full of controversy and several accusations. Now the mayor says... He's looking forward to the future. As we said, no Democrats in that race so far. Mayor Jim Brainerd speaking us with us there Tuesday. There was also the race in Fishers, another race with only Republicans on the ballot. Mayor Scott Fadness, a big winner over Logan Day. He's the only mayor Fishers has ever had. And with no Democrats in that race, he appears to be headed to another term in office. Because we live in a great country that holds us accountable, we had to go back out and share our message to all of our residents and explain why it is what we're doing is so important for the future of our community. All right, meantime, in Noblesville, voters are electing a new mayor this year. Chris Jensen won the Republican primary. No Democrats in this race either. Jensen beating three other candidates. We spoke with him Tuesday night. I knew the last couple of weeks that this city was ready for Noblesville's next chapter, and the voters confirmed it today. So it's overwhelming to be the nominee for mayor of my hometown. 
Okay, other cities across the state also electing new mayors this year. Among them are Kokomo, Muncie, and Martinsville. The matchup's now set after Tuesday's primary. All the incumbents there deciding not to run for re-election. Also Tuesday night, the mayor of Gary, Indiana, lost in a, a bit of an upset. And in South Bend, the candidate endorsed by current mayor Pete Buttigieg won the Democratic primary on Tuesday night. All right, meantime this week in Washington, a number of 2020 Democrats reacting to the latest controversy in Congress. The House Judiciary Committee holding Attorney General William Barr in contempt as the White House asserts executive privilege to keep others connected to the administration from testifying about the Mueller report. The president's son also facing a subpoena to come back in front of the Republican-controlled Senate Intelligence Committee. My son's a very good person, works very hard. The last thing he needs is Washington, D.C. He could rather not ever be involved. Every day, they are advertising their obstruction of justice by ignoring subpoenas. Speaker Pelosi calling all of this a, quote, constitutional crisis as Democrats remain divided on the issue of impeachment. Some reaction this week from two Indiana congressmen on opposite sides of the aisle. Republican Larry Bouchon said Chairman Nadler and Judiciary Committee Dems are off the rails, in his words. They voted to hold the attorney general in contempt for not giving them an unredacted copy of the Mueller report, which he cannot legally do, yet they refused to review the minimally redacted report. He calls it quote, politics. Democrat Andre Carson said no matter the issue, the, the administration's game plan is the same, to willfully ignore efforts to hold it accountable to the American people. The president and his cabinet aren't above the law, Carson says, and Carson says Congress won't rest until we get the truth. They can't stonewall forever. All right, up next, what Hoosiers are saying about the 2020 campaign, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, President Trump, and how the two traded barbs this past week on the topic of trade. Also ahead, how Indiana compares to other states on the issue of gambling. Now that sports wagering has been legalized here in the Hoosier State. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, time now to bring in our panel, 2016 Vice Chair of the Indiana Trump Campaign, Tony Samuel, Democratic Strategist, Laura Beck, former GOP lawmaker, Mike Murphy, and former Communications Director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. Let's start with the race for mayor, the primaries this past week. No surprises, really, but now this mayoral matchup in Indy, it's officially set. What kind of race will this be in the fall? And what about this controversy with, with 10 Point? Could that become a, a dynamic here in the campaign? Um, I don't think that the 10 Point controversy, if you will, will last until November. Um, it's a reminder to us all to keep our thoughts in our head and not put them on social media or say them on the radio. Um, but I don't see that being a lasting issue. Um, I think we'll have a race here, and I think that's good for our community. It's good to talk about the big issues. I still don't have any worries, though, that Joe Hogsett's going to be reelected. Is uh, Senator Merritt uh, in this race to win it? Does he have the money oh, needed absolutely. to win it? absolutely. He's in it to win it. I think the community has a right to be outraged at the Hogsett administration, uh, you know, statements on even if it was private Facebook but it's not got that much of a uh, impact on the race if it happened October 10th then I'd say maybe but but not uh, not the middle of May no way what's your take on all this though 
Well, I'm, I'm with Jen uh, on this one. I think that um, when you work for elected officials or for any high-profile organization, you get what's called the talk, which is you represent something larger than yourself. I think the mayor's response on this was um, on point. Um, I think it's time to move past it because we don't want to get distracted by this and not focus on resolving community violence issues. But um, I think uh, Mayor Hoxett's going into this general election with, uh, with the wind behind his back. I think he's strong. Tony? Well, people continue to make mistakes on social media, as has been pointed out. Uh, thankfully for me, I'm not on social media at all. And, <laughs> Twitterless and, and, Tony. And I've decided uh, never to be. Uh, but the real issue is here is, is there a bias in the mayor's administration against the 10-point coalition? And that question's been going on for some time. They're not uh, respected as much as they have been in the past. They're reaching out and working with Republicans, and then they take heat for that. Um, Jim Merritt, uh, I think, will make and, and should make crime an issue, already has, because it is an issue, and he's asking the question, are you safer now than you were four years ago? Well, I don't feel safer in my home, and I think most folks in, the, in Indianapolis would agree with that. One of his first, uh, his first executive order is going to be to make a, uh, create a, a deputy mayor for public safety. He's going to hit on this issue over and over again, and people will respond because they, they're scared. Uh, there's a lot of crime, a lot of, a lot of homicides, and that continues. How vulnerable might the mayor be on the issue of crime as we, as we move through the rest of the year more yeah. broadly, not just on this 10-point issue, but broadly? Yeah, I mean, I think it is an issue. I mean, we have a community violence issue. We've had some high-profile incidents, um, but I don't know that we're going to have any more than we have in the past. It's an election year, so people are focused. I don't know, Tony. I feel safe in my home. I live in downtown Indianapolis, and I feel perfectly safe. Um, I can tell you, though, Jennifer, that crime, I live in, in, in Perry Township outside 465. Crime has moved out into our township significantly. It's maybe not the murders you see downtown or on the, you would on the northeast side, but you know our neighborhood gets hit all the time by uh, car theft, car burglaries. People do feel less safe, and the mayor can you know say it's a societal problem, which it is. But we're getting instances like we did a couple of weeks ago, five shootings in one night. It has to stop. Well, I, I live on the east side, so I can talk a little about living in neighborhoods where there's crime. Well, um, just this week about here's something, though, but here's one of the things that I found really interesting, and this is more anecdotally. Um, I have noticed an absolute increase in patrols in my neighborhood. Um, I've seen this return to community policing that you haven't seen in a while. Um, there were I live in Irvington on the east side. Um, there were bike officers uh, coming through the neighborhood last week. So I don't think the city is ignoring this at all. It is a societal issue, and it takes all of us working together to solve it. And that starts with not just when we put people in jail. That starts with when we fund pre-education, pre-K. What do you guys take from the primary numbers themselves? They, they won by about the same margin, Hogsett and Merritt, but Hogsett did have twice as many uh, votes as Jim Merritt did in the primary. Sure, overall, a lower turnout, I think less than 10% again. About 7%, primary right? seven, yeah. Yeah. seven and eight. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, it's it's going to be uh, an issues-driven campaign, not just, not just crime, but also infrastructure, potholes. Uh, Jim Merritt's been hitting on that. I know I've gotten four flat tires from potholes in the last year. And you uh, haven't even been able to tweet about it. I should. I, I've always wanted to give a shout out to the last uh, uh, AAA uh, driver that came to help. His name's Steven. He watches the show. Oh, there so, you go. See, there, there you go. Give him a shout Call out. me and I'll tweet for you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know what? Give him a Tony Samuel account. I'll set up for you. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about the mayor of <laughs> South Bend now. South Bend's mayor trading barbs with the president on the trade war with China, now escalating steeper tariffs being put in place. The market's reacting as well. It's a big issue on the campaign trail this week. The president and Mayor Pete Buttigieg talking about all of this very personally 
in terms of who would handle the situation best. We have a young man, Boot Edge Edge. Boot Edge Edge. They say Edge Edge. He's got a great chance, doesn't he? He'll be great. He'll be great. Representing us against President Xi of China. That'll be great. That'll be great. I want to be in that room. I want to watch that one. You know, you can't get too worried about the, the name calling and the games he plays. Uh, I, I was thinking of a Chinese proverb uh, that goes, when the, uh, when the wind changes, uh, some people build walls and some people build windmills. Uh, you got to recognize that uh, we need something completely different than what we have in this White House. Uh, the negotiations that they're conducting, whether it's on trade or things like North Korea, are usually a personal uh, high-wire act with no safety net, and that's no way to run a country. All right, obviously the tariffs and China, a big topic in the news this week. Week, but also as the candidates get started out here in the 2020 race, check out this poll here of Indiana Democrats. It has Pete Buttigieg third in his home state behind Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Jennifer, should the Buttigieg camp be concerned he's not doing better here? No, I don't think so. I'm not surprised by these numbers. Um, he is obviously from Indiana, mayor of a, a town in Indiana, but um, lots of people here don't know him. He's from northern Indiana. Um, he is breaking out on the national stage, and I think that's why you're starting to see him picking up in the national polling. Um, I would also say that I'm not really sure how much Indiana is going to matter uh, in the primaries or the general. Come May 2020. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not really worried. What about that back and forth between he and the president? Well, I think, number one, this is not, as I said earlier, a game of Chinese checkers. This is real-world trade. I think the Buttigieg has to get uh, into the big leagues, and Trump already is. I'm not surprised by the numbers. Um, I do agree with Jen. I don't think Indiana is going to be in play um, presidentially. Uh, Who knows? We could be, but I I doubt it. Um, I I do – I found – Mayor Pete's response to President Trump, very interesting, because a lot of candidates want to get down in the mud with him, and that's where Trump does very well. Um, Mayor Buttigieg, uh, even though, yes, he may not have that executive leadership experience, he did spend a lot of time in Afghanistan. So I think he is going to be just fine um, with any a, leader on the world stage. He's only a few thousand miles away from China. But well, okay. you know, we'll just, we'll just The Indiana the GOP <laughs> seizing on those poll numbers this week, though. So. Yeah, rightfully so, and I, I really don't think there's any mud. I think uh, President Trump was just helping us all pronounce his name, Boot Edge. Oh. I've had a lot of trouble, as just you know. Just to pronounce it. Everybody right. does. I'm going to get you a shirt. And, and, and so mm-hmm. I, I think also with that is another reason why folks in Indiana, why the numbers are so for, for, so low for him. He also actually hasn't done anything really remarkable that stands out to Indiana voters. So that's why they still don't know them. He's doing fairly well compared to the others uh, in, in the Democrat primary and, and probably will continue to do so. And I do think it'll be a race. Uh, in May and into hmm. the convention. I think it'll be a contested convention. Biden's going to, he's already slipping up, and it's, it's going to be a horse race. Okay. That poll, by the way, also had President Trump's approval rating at 46-48 in Indiana, and Governor Holcomb at 54%, which is 24% disapproving. This is we wrap up the legislative session and look ahead to the 2020 race for governor. We saw a press release this week from uh, one state rep who's been mentioned as a possible candidate, Carly Maser, saying there were too many missed opportunities in the state, quote, must do better. We'll see which Democrats emerge here to run for governor. But how do you view these poll numbers on Holcomb through the lens of this session and the coming race for governor in 2020? Well, I think he's in a pretty good position. Anytime you're over 50 percent, you're you're sitting pretty well. Um, but we've seen people in office who've gone from 60s to 30s really quickly. Um, a lot of people still don't know him. Um, his disapproval rate is not that high. So there's there's definitely room for a Democratic candidate to get in there and make it a race. But I'd still you know, say it's probably Eric Holcomb's race to lose. Okay. Also this past week, Governor Holcomb signed the gambling bill into law legalizing sports gambling and allowing for a new casino in Terre Haute, Indiana, now one of 10 states. We'll show the map here with legalized sports 
gambling. So what will this mean for the Hoosier State in terms of economic impact, new casinos? Could we see more of all of that? Well, there'll the be more tax revenue, obviously, one more casino, which is an expansion of gambling. It's no way around that. But what you've seen in almost every city that gambling has come to, there's not been a significant lifting of all the boats of the economic uh, situation in those cities. It just does not happen. But there'll be a lot of new tax revenue and a lot rich people will get a lot richer. Okay, we'll talk about more about that on our podcast for sure. Coming up next, we'll talk about the Indiana senator fighting to change the legal age to buy cigarettes. That's after the break. Well, this week we're talking about the effort to raise the minimum age to buy tobacco from 18 to 21. Several states have done it already, and while those kind of efforts have failed at the state house in Indiana, there is a national push being led in part by Indiana Senator Todd Young. If we can raise the uh, age of purchase, we can significantly uh, reduce the number of people who begin using this product uh, and uh, we can avoid the deaths and adverse health outcomes associated with this. Senator Young also held an event Friday at Carmel High School to talk about this proposal. Also this coming week, the state of Indiana will pay its respects to former Senator Richard Luger. Tuesday at noon, there'll be a, a brief ceremony at the State House as the governor commences the official memorial. The former senator will lie in state in the Capitol Rotunda for the public to pay their last respects until sunset Tuesday and again Wednesday morning before the official funeral Wednesday afternoon at St. Luke's United Methodist Church. We'll have coverage for you Wednesday. We'll also be in the nation's capital Wednesday and all week starting tonight for National Police Week. Six Hoosiers being remembered this year, including fallen Boone County Sheriff's Deputy Jacob Pickett. Stick around. We'll be back right after this with this week's Winners and Losers. Wrapping up with this week's winners and losers, Tony, who do you got? Well, happy Mother's Day to you guys yeah, and to uh, my uh, winners for the week are my mom and my wife, Anita, who does a great job with our crazy kids. I'll ditto that for my wife and mom as well, and to our mothers here on the Thank panel. You very much. Thanks. My winner is Mayor Hawks. Mayor Hawks said he um, did very well in the primary. My loser is Eric Holcomb for signing that gaming bill under the cover of darkness, the spectacle flights, and it's going to continue to be a spectacle. Mike. Uh, one loser, the people of Gary, who uh, rejected one of the best mayors that county or that city has ever seen, Karen Freeman Wilson. They're going to rue the day they defeated her. Jennifer. My loser is uh, voters because turnout was abysmally very, low, very and that's low. really sad. Okay, we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Hope you have a great Mother's Day. See you next week. All right, we're here on the podcast. Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy, Laura Beck, Tony Samuel. And we're talking uh, a few minutes ago about Senator Todd Young, the bill he has this week uh, dealing with the, the smoking age and a nationwide bill, a bipartisan bill that he's a part of to change the legal age to buy cigarettes from 18 to 21. And, and during the break here, we were talking just more broadly about uh, his impact in the Senate so far, the kinds of issues he's uh, finding himself involved with. Uh, what do you make first of this, uh, the, this bill involving smoking and the impact that may have? I think it's a great bill. I think uh, it took us a long, long time as a society to realize the toll that tobacco was taking on us monetarily and from a health perspective. And and I agree. Raise it, raise it up to 21. Um, you know, make it the same as alcohol. And um, you know, I'm I'm in agreement with Todd Young on that. And we were talking also about you know his stances on some some foreign policy and and you know constitutional overreach perhaps by the executive branch when it comes to military intervention. And I find myself in agreement with him there too. As we uh, get set this week to uh, remember Richard Luger, Mike, you've been saying he, he reminds you of, of Richard Luger in some well, ways. I'm a big Todd Young fan. He, he among all our congressional delegation, because he has a, a, a long 
um, future ahead of him in, in the Senate as well, has the best opportunity to be our next Richard Lugar. But as a conservative, I have to disagree with him on the smoking law, frankly. More government regulation does not change society. Education changes society. And too often we get into Washington, and it's a, it's a temptation in Indianapolis, quite frankly, too. You want to you know, you save the world, you want to do this, you want to do that. What's the, what's the reaction? Write a law. It's not always writing a law that solves the problem. And, and interestingly, Indiana at the State House, they've not been able to pass this uh, same legislation to change the age. Senator Young was asked about that uh, this week and said, well, you know, if we change it state by state, people are going to go to the border, and he thinks that's why it needs to be changed uh, across the country. Years ago, you're talking uh, 2005, I was one of the first, maybe the first smoke-free advocate of, of the year for the, the anti-smoking people. I was on the conference committee that divided up the smoking settlement money. There's nobody more anti-smoking than I, I am. But you just don't do it through law. You do it through education, and I think we're, we're making a big mistake But it's here. already a law. I mean, they're just raising the age. Chasing like we're saying, age. like yeah. it doesn't still doesn't matter. You I mean because because you, you know you you made one mistake, you should continue to well, make more mistakes. Well, it is a mistakes. regulated substance. You want a three-year-old to buy a pack of cigarettes? No, they're eighteen. Eighteen is fine because those are the same kinds of the same age. You do a whole lot of other things in this country. You can it's kind go of accepted toward that's, eighteen. In fact, that's right. that's some the, have called for a military exception on this bill. Senator Young actually said. No, I don't. I don't support that I, because you know, he thinks it could affect health care for it's a, it's a mistake. It's a big government solution to a problem that is societal and takes a lot of years of education to bring people around. Um, you know, 18 is generally accepted in this country as your your uh, baptism into adulthood for a lot of reasons, and it should be the same. Except for, for alcohol, renting a car, or running for president. Well, which are all at very different ages, yes. right? There's all kinds of reasons, but you're still considered an adult at the age of 18. I'm playing Chinese checkers. That's you right. play Chinese it's, checkers before 18. You just said it three times. I did. <laughs> I can't help it. It's a lot of references. It's, it's right. Mike. It's, today, it's yes. just Mike's, it's Mike Mike's influence. It. I know. Right. I, can't, I can't help it. Um, I, taking a step back from the, your philosophical viewpoint on this, um, I do think that Senator Young, even though, and I laugh because I say I'm not supposed to like him, um, he really is stepping up in some key ways. And whether conservatives don't like this law um, or the proposal that he has forward, he is shining a spotlight on a public health crisis that we have. And when you think about how smoking combines with um, alcohol and all of the different things that can happen when you smoke and how long it can take that toll on your body. Well, vaping is a big part of this vaping bill, too. Vaping is a big that's part, too. And that's another element, years. too, is yeah. there are so many young people now vaping um, and, and really vaping at young ages. So. I'd say kudos to him because he is really shining the spotlight. And if a Democrat did this, I don't think it would get the positive attention if, as, uh, as a Republican. And I would say shine the spotlight. All kudos to Todd Young. Just don't make a, a federal law that you can't do something until you're 21 when you're an adult at 18 and you have to, you can die for your country. Well, like we have laws about all kinds of things that you can't do at all. So we're not going to live in a lawless society. Tony, your thoughts on, on Senator Young here. He's taken, you know, some interesting uh, policy positions here in the Senate. At times, as we alluded to, foreign policy-wise with Yemen, he's sort of carefully uh, disagreed with the president at, at, at times. Uh, sure. what, what are your thoughts on um, I, I think the positions nothing, he's nothing wrong with thoughtfully uh, disagreeing and offering a, a different point of view, and, and, and that's what our democracy is all about. The trouble comes when um, folks just want to stop the president at all costs, and that's what we're seeing on the other side. Well, what will be also interesting um, regarding Senator Young is how he handles his new role 
as head of the campaigns yeah. Sure. Yeah. for the Senate, yeah. especially Good. with so many Republican well, seats having yeah. to be defended. And just this past week, we've seen a lot of those candidates who are running for Senate, uh -huh. uh, Tom Tillis and others really uh, kind of taking a tough stance against fellow Republican yeah. Richard Burr for bringing Donald yeah, Trump Jr. Uh, mm -hmm. back to the Intelligence Committee under subpoena. Yeah, uh, another wild, wild week in Washington. Well, and really. Till Tillis has a primary. They're, they're, yeah. they're, he has a strong primary opponent, and they're out trumping each other. If they—that's not a word, but it should be. And you know, look, it's okay for people in the same party to disagree. It's okay for people across the aisle to disagree. But I think my worry on on Todd Young is how do you become the next Richard Luger when you're overseeing so much divisive political action? And you said, Mike, I think a couple of weeks ago that you didn't think there could ever be another Richard Luger or a Birch Bayh. Well, well, I, I said, could no, Richard, I said Luger Richard Luger and right. Birch Bayh could try yeah. not yeah. get elected right. in this environment. Sorry. Yeah, you, and I still think that's true. All right, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, this poll that we saw this week. We asked America Poll. Uh, all of us saying when we heard this, uh, the question that we asked is, who is We Ask America? We hadn't really, kind of a new polling firm, I guess, right? But uh, online poll that showed Pete Buttigieg in third, uh, behind Joe Biden, behind Bernie Sanders, showed Eric Holcomb with some strong numbers uh, in terms of his approval rating coming into 2020, and also showed the president about 46, 48 here in the state of Indiana. Uh, what, what else do you make from, from some of those numbers we saw there? Mike? Well, I think the president's numbers, if I am not mistaken, I don't think I'm mistaken, have pretty, been pretty steady in Indiana in the high 40s off and on throughout his, you know, throughout his term, so that doesn't surprise me. Uh, Judge again, um, you know, he, if you look at the, the, the polling, I mean, he's, he's third behind two octogenarians and just ahead of a lady who's crazy. I think he's actually in a pretty good spot. Okay, the president is also old. I don't like. Yeah, I don't I, guess I, that it's not. like you just don't even know. And how there's to a lot of craziness on that side. So, uh, do you okay, want to? Hey, listen, you got a lot of craziness. <laughs> listen, yeah, guys, you're not crazy. I'm not, a, crazy I'm, not a, I'm not a big defender of Trump, but I will tell you that Trump is 72, which is a teenager compared to Sanders <laughs> right. and uh, Biden. He's president, a very active 72. President Trump said the other day he's in a press gathering, he's he started to say he's I'm one of the youngest. I don't know what, what he was going to say exactly. Well, you know, but. I think he gets a lot of rest during the day too. I don't know. If there's a lot of activity going on well, on Twitter, though, but those right, are just, true. Thumbs. just, thumbs. just, thumbs. You know. just thumbs. I guarantee you that by the time this is all over, Trump will have been, in his mind, the youngest person ever serving <laughs> president. Like, in his <laughs> mind, he's a lot of things, okay? So he's a lot outworking of everyone on his staff and everyone on the other side, and he'll out-campaign them. I was watching this rally in uh, the, uh, Panama City the other night, and it's hot, and, and he's you know, going at it, firing up the crowd uh, for more than an hour like he always does. And, and you see Joe Biden and the others now trying to do the same thing. And they're really boring everybody to death. As far as I can tell, Biden should be, Biden's nickname should be Boring Joe Biden because that's what's happening out there right now. The president has turned to Sleepy Creepy. I was going to say Sleepy Creepy Joe. Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. See, I have week. a new puppy that's and I've missed all of this. You've missed really all have, of the I nicknames? Feel like yeah. the, I feel like I'm the, the template you know, real person. Yes. Um, it, you but know, what this, have you I'm missed, not, really? I've missed a lot. The president uh, in that tweet, though, saying he thinks it will be Biden. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, yeah. we'll see. It, 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 that, that's, he's got a fairly big lead down, but it's so early and debates I think are a, a month away or, or something like that and then that's going to drag on forever right. and their folks will still you know rise and fall and um, I just don't know if Biden's going to be there. The if you could keep Biden off of TV he would win the nomination but the problem with Biden is he's his own worst enemy because he says stupid things all the time 
and that is endearing. Really? on audio here, so it's, it's, it's Jennifer's it's, reaction. It's, it's endearing and entertaining. That. It's certainly entertaining to sit here as a Republican and watch him do things like that. It's entertaining to watch the entire it Democratic circle of, fire, circle of fire squad. I just but, find, I'm like, we live in parallel universes. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah no, you can't say that and then not apply it also to your own party. Right. But he does yeah. say stupid things all the time. So does well, the president. And I'm not, uh, no, did, not you, really. did you see me leading the band <laughs> for Donald Trump? Joe? Is no, he 12? <laughs> well, I, I think the other it's piece about with, with what we're also seeing on the Democrat side is, is that this is going to be a long slog to the finish. And for the Democrats particularly, you've got to chart your course, you got to pick your path, and you got to run We're your own game. We're still a long way away. We're yeah. a long way From away. The and, and I think yeah. the Democrats, they just, I'm, I mean, I am a Democrat, and I think we just tend to get so bogged down in these minutiae details that you've got, you're running against a, a sitting president who is unlike any other in our modern time. Um, and you've got to really chart that course and start. And we'll see it. what dynamic the debates have when we start to see the candidates yeah. on the debate yeah. stage. Well, yeah, one other July. point I would like to make just regarding polling. Um, I think it was real clear politics, which we, we do know. We, we're not so right. sure about the, 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 the one we just were talking well, about. Well, they'll average all the polls, too, yeah. which is right. helpful. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And, and that is showing President Trump's approval uh, as high as, as it's ever been, I think, um, as high as it was when he first came in office, around 45 46%. Now, you factor in folks that aren't going to say they support the president, but that do because of all of the media bashing that's been going on uh, for the last two and a half years, I think he's uh, above 50%. I think it'll stay that way. There, there was a piece, though, in the New York Times this last week. I know it's your favorite paper, Tony. Um, and I know it's your favorite paper, too, Mike. But there was an article where they did quote members of the Trump team that their internals are showing that Biden and Trump are very close. And so that is, that's an area of concern, which may be why he's calling him sleeping. One thing in Indiana we need to pay attention to, it, which makes the, the good numbers for Trump seem a little bit optimistic, is that Purdue also put out a poll this week, the Center for Agriculture Economics, whatever it's called, and they said that, that the, uh, the Indiana farm community experienced the largest one-month drop in optimism about their economic mm. future yeah. in four yeah. years. Well, we mentioned now, the tariffs yeah. earlier. Yeah, now the uh, ag community is not have. a yeah. big number when it comes to uh, citizens anymore. It's probably one or two percent of the Hoosiers, but it's a significant economic uh, element of our of our society in Indiana, and for them to be dropping so fast in optimism is not a good sign. We heard some farmers speaking candidly with Vice President Pence when he yeah. came to yeah. visit uh, mm -hmm. earlier yeah. this year. I was also going to say too about topic. this poll, um, which uh, I think Tony brings up a point about people not saying they want to they're voting for the president. Um, you also have to be cognizant as well, though, that in Indiana we don't not everyone has access to the internet. <laughs> where they live. So you may not be reaching all of the population. You may not be reaching a broad swath with of the population with an online poll. You've got folks right. who just don't have access or who may not. Uh, do they reach out to folks directly? Um, how are they contacting them? So there's a little sure. bit of discussion about that methodology. We mentioned also, also you're allowed to re uh, reply to the poll more than once. I don't well, know if that's true. Those are yeah. Abdul's polls. We mentioned <laughs> Governor Holcomb's numbers in that poll. And, and yeah. earlier during the broadcast, we also talked a, a bit about you know, potential opponents out there. Who, who's going to run against Governor Holcomb? We did talk about uh, Carly Maser put out a press release from her campaign this week that kind of seemed like it might be trying to maybe lay a predicate for a, uh, a campaign. Who else might we see here in the mix? Well, I, uh, Christina, obviously, is a possibility. One of our been panelists. Talked about. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Dr. Woody Myers, former state health commissioner, is uh, definitely... His name has come up. He says he's been approached. Yep, yeah. he's out there. Um, 
you know, I think John Gregg said he would consider doing it again potentially. Or I don't know. He has nothing else to do. It was, I mean, it was in Brian Howie, so I take it with a grain of salt because nothing he reports is accurate. But <laughs> we're just, just we're going just, after yeah, all the other Indians. Although to be fair, Abdul will be happy that he got mentioned on the podcast because it's Abdul. That's um, right. But no, I mean, I think there there will be a candidate. It will be a race. I I just right now, if the election were held this November, I got to give the odds to Eric. Carly Maser is a great lady, a uh, Democrat from the West Side. She's actually known more in this state for her expertise on guns. She's a historic gun collector. And when she walks into a gun show at the state fairgrounds, everybody knows she's in the room because that's how good she is. Yeah. She has no chance to win governor. Woody Myers, <laughs> one of the brightest guys I ever met. I worked with him when I was at Anthem. Smart off the charts. Um, and he and the, and the governor would have some fun debates about things like health care policy and quality of life and things like that. Again, no chance. This is not going to be a race. Democrats I, I was, have any chance? I was just going to say, I'll pass. No. Um, you're, I, not, you're, not, you're not running? No. <laughs> oh, God, pass. no. No, no, no. You can just go back to all the years of Channel 6 footage of me and all the dumb things I've spent, well, said, speaking of dumb things people say. Um, I, I think well, at least you're not on Channel 6 anymore. Oh, well, you, I, thank, I you. Just, <laughs> thank you. Let's just add one more singer. Jeez, Mike is just really on my, fire today. My former I, I colleagues. To, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, you know, there's a treasure trove of data out there. Um, I think the party has, um, I think the party does have some work to do. I mean, we have got to be creative in who we recruit. Um, we've got to be creative in, uh, there are people who want to run for office, there are people who are engaged, we've got, we've got a great bench of candidates out there, we have to empower them and, and, and lift them up to do that. Um, we get, I think, very caught up in what we've always done, how we do things, and we just, we have to be creative. We have to take a Christina Hale and really push a candidate like a Christina Hale forward. We have to um, really speak to everyone. And uh, we do our best at doing that. We can't play identity politics. Um, we've got to talk to people in southern Indiana. We just can't ignore parts of the state. We've got to be, uh, we've got to run a 92-county strategy, um, but we've also got to raise the money to be competitive. And so we've, we've got to work it out for us. If Christina Hale indeed runs for office, uh, we will need uh, your services much more often on the panel. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> sure you'll find somebody else. There's, there's one name we haven't talked about in the last five minutes, and that's Buttigieg I for governor. I was literally about to say so that. He, so this has been in the press a bit. So he yep. runs for Here president. He gets to January. Remember, the filing deadline is not to about February yeah. 19. Yeah. It could happen. Yeah. So he gets there January and he goes, I'm not going to make it. Let's pull the horses back. I got $20 million in a bank. Let's go for yeah. governor. Yeah. But you it saw the happen. statewide poll that had him right. third behind Joe Biden. And I guess and Bernie that's kind Sanders of when I, when I refer to getting creative. I mean, those are, I, I think that's the future. And we've got to be looking to that future. Well, but we also, I mean, we're still in a Republican state. I mean, yes, I realize, exactly. I mean, that's, that right. is the bigger hurdle for us to overcome right. as Democrats. Is we're always going to have that 10 point disadvantage yeah, or it was, whatever it, was 18 it is. 18 points last yeah, time. Right. I mean, how exactly. do we overcome that? Yeah. You know, maybe it is a candidate like Pete, but right now it's a huge hurdle. But remember, too, that, and both parties make this mistake, every race is different. Karen uh, Freeman absolutely. Wilson lost yep. the mayor's race on Tuesday. Who knows? She could turn around for, run around That's for true. Congress right. and true. win, right? That's true. Now, the Democrats, you not too long ago, brought uh, Evan Bayh back into the game thinking he could beat Todd Young. He was the savior. He got his butt kicked, right? Yeah. He's, out of the, the, he's out of the picture now. 25 is a lot of everything. Yeah. Timing is everything. Yeah. Timing is yeah. a lot of everything. No doubt about it. Uh, final thoughts here before we go. We mentioned uh, the gaming bill earlier uh, being signed into law. Um, uh, overall, your thoughts on the session. The governor did sign every bill. He did, and the gaming bill specifically, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of, of us propping up our economy on gaming with gaming. Um, I think a lot of that 
like the Hoosier lottery tends to wind up being a, a, a tax on poor people, not a tax, but it's, it, look, it's not something that... A vice to go back to smoking. That is exactly the, the word I was looking for. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not excited about the expansion of gambling in Indiana. Tony, it's an issue you've uh, worked on, obviously, behind the scenes at the State House. Um, is this the kind of bill, in your view, that will spur Indiana's economy? What are your thoughts on where we ended yeah, up? Yeah, I think so, especially with the jobs that will be created. And the, I mean, we needed this modernization to compete with Illinois, to compete with Ohio, to keep you know what might be coming down the road from the Illinois and from Iowa Friday. have legislation it's, pending, right? They haven't done it yet. We were the, right, kind of the first. Right. And, and and you know, right you, you never know what's going to what's going to happen. But the, the nation as a whole is moving in that um, direction. So we've already made the decision, so we, we needed the modernization. It's going to create jobs just, uh, uh, for example, with the Caesars properties, the, the horse track uh, casinos are going to 650 new jobs from live dealers that are going to be moved up um, uh, to, to January 1 of 2020. So that's a good thing. For my household, not so good because um, I'll be you know betting on some football games <laughs> oh, and, losing, right. and, and that means less... <laughs> Christmas presents for my kids. <laughs> the Colts wow. uh, odds, wow. by the way. Wow. Just kidding. Oh, man. Just kidding. Really Sorry, kids. Really quickly, <laughs> Tony. Just, looking at it from a more serious perspective, um, and I'm laughing about your like online gaming going on there. I'm an online shopper, <laughs> no, so I understand. This is all day. I understand. Right, yeah. I mean, online sports, shopping, I can do. The sports um, the, what, what is fascinating to me, though, is that the Star has done a lot of reporting, not to bring up another media outlet, but the Star has done a lot of reporting on frankly, the behind the scenes with spectacle um, and how those, how this is all played out. And I don't think they're going to stop. I think we're going to continue to see more of it. Um, there was a request, uh, the Democratic Party filed a request with the Election Commission to look into those flights um, that the governor took. Uh, and in fact, an amendment was added into the bill requiring right. the governor yeah. to uh, yeah. post publicly mm -hmm. when he'd be yeah, meeting were just, with casino Yeah, there were just all the of these different things swirling. And, and that can be problematic as well. Um, especially when and you have an investigative team that sinks their teeth into something like that. You know, I love Tony's use of the word modernization, which is just another equivalent to expansion. It reminds me of Larry Borst when they were, were going to get you. the, get the uh, well, Larry <laughs> Borst is a great guy, but they were trying to figure out how to describe the riverboats when they started letting them um, you know, board at any time. So Larry came up with the term flexible boarding. It was a hoot. I mean, it's just, it's just a, you know, as a PR guy, I kind of, uh, you know, was impressed actually. But, you know, the governor did the right thing. He took some time. He made it look like he wasn't going to sign the bill, maybe, right? So he, he took made it, it look like he wasn't <laughs> going to sign well, the bill. He had to, because he did story about yeah, all in the back behind the scenes. He had an appropriate pause. That was smart. You know, he waited the last month to sign it, but there was no surprise. I was at that press conference. Are any bills yeah. you're thinking about vetoing? And he said, well, yeah, um, let's think about that. we're thinking about a couple of them. Which That's ones? a head-scratcher. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, all the attention now turns to Terre Haute because you have a very powerful um, uh, businessman who's one of the governor's best friends who will be very influential in that whole referendum process and it's his home county he could invest his money anywhere and he wants to invest it in Terre Haute good for him um, so it all goes to Terre Haute now how's that referendum process work and then how's the application of the gaming commission work after that and I don't know but we'll see what happens all right I think we have to leave it there. We're running out of time today. We've, we've hit on just about every other media outlet in town. I mean, Tony right. broadly mentioned 
you know, the president and, and the media versus the president, and then everyone else at the table uh, uh, went after a specific media. Yeah, well, before we, before gonna, we left. Gonna add. But thank you for having us and on Fox 59. Yes, thank and you for CBS having us here on Fox 59 yes, and yes, exactly. Thank you so and we, much. And we, we liked, we liked the Indianapolis <laughs> Star when Tim Swerves was working with him. There you go. He was on the panel last week. He's a great guy. He's a great addition. All right, we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. If the lot was back. That's right.